0: The MTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the StarCityGames.com Open Series is coming up soon in Atlanta, Georgia. On January 7th and 8th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard legacy and draft opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live covered courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Atlanta, and we'll see you there. Everybody and Welcome to episode 91 of Yo! MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pascoe.
1: And I'm Big Head Joe.
0: And uh, we're going to record a, a quick episode for you this week. I think our original plan was possibly to skip this week, but uh, kind of a lot has happened for us to talk about. So um, yeah. I think we'll ju- let's just go in roughly chronological order, I guess. Um, the big controversy last week, Alex Bertoncini, whether or not he was... Uh, he was cheating in all these uh different videos, and I'm sure everybody's kind of aware of that, but if you're not uh well, it was linked in last week's show notes, so <laughs> go go back and listen to last week last week's episode, and uh you can probably get a a good uh idea of what's going on so turns out d c i uh determined via their investigation that Alex was in fact cheating at least. We assume that's the case since he was suspended for 18 months. Um, they made the announcement last Thursday. Um, uh, unfortunately, or f- however you want to look at it, uh, four days after he won the Star City Invitational in Charlotte and uh, and the Player of the Year uh, award for Star City uh, Open Series, so kind of uh, kind of a crazy situation. Unfortunate, kind of. Uh, no matter how you look at it, if you're Alex, sure, you it sucks. Whether or not you were cheating, it probably it obviously sucks way more. If for some reason, you know, if you weren't cheating, um, if you were, hopefully he if he was, which obviously I'm saying if because regardless of the the fact that he was determined, the the, the investigation uh, concluded that. I, I don't think there's really a way to know for 100% sure. I'm gonna take their, I'm gonna take that result, their conclusion as the the truth. But ultimately, I, I I told you this last week when I was over at your house. Like I feel like I could see myself making a lot of those same mistakes completely unintentionally.
1: Right, and I mean we're both NFL fans. So you know, we definitely know what it's like to have a referee completely blow a call. I'm not saying that's what they did here, but like you just have to take the ruling at what the ruling is, whether or not you agree with it,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: because their their authority, the DCI's authority, is the only authority that really matters in this situation. Um, You know, and I I was actually on the Brewport Avenue podcast last night with my roommate Travis and uh, also that guy Noyan. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but I was on there last night, and um, we were talking about a lot of this stuff. Actually, pretty much, I think their outline was like our outline. They just kind of copied it from us. Um, wow. Maybe Travis got into my email or something. Um, but anyway, uh, what I was saying on there, and then what what I the, the sentiment I'd like to echo here today, um, is that. You know, a lot of people are, you know, concerned with justice being served. Everybody's like, yeah, he got what he deserved. Everyone's Everyone has an opinion, you know, um, on on Alex. Uh, was he guilty? Was he not guilty? I'm not going to give you, you know, my opinion on whether or not I thought he was doing the things he was doing. Um, first, I, I don't feel like it's my job in this situation where there's like a investigation. I mean, the investigation is closed now, but with an open investigation – you know, it's not my job to feed the, you know, put fuel in the fire either way. You know, all I wanted to see was the process work. And the process has worked and the ruling has been issued. Um, but the thing that I think people are losing sight of and have completely lost sight of during this entire thing is that the person that we're talking about here, the person who's being investigated, um, isn't just like a celebrity, isn't just. You know a public figure this is a person you know this is a person who has a livelihood um that he makes playing this game, and essentially what happened with this banning or with this suspension is that the d c i took someone's livelihood away from them for eighteen months and and you know everyone's you know having a lot of fun cracking jokes and 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 in you know including
0: Alex. I've seen sure. I've seen him making some jokes on his Facebook.
1: Well, sure. I mean but but the thing is that like people aren't realizing that like you know, this is a young kid, man, like this is a young kid who has feelings, you know, like it's a young kid who loves this game, regardless of what you think of him as a player. you know, Alex loves Magic the Gathering.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, want it to come off as if we're defending him or anything, but I think we do. There's things that need to be brought up because there are so many people out there doing kind of what you're saying, like joking and and just kind of totally ragging on him. And um, I, I do kind of have an issue with you saying the DCI took away his his uh, livelihood for 18 months because, really, uh, according to the investigation, and obviously they they probably have more evidence than we do or more information than we do. Um, uh, he took away his own livelihood by doing something that was against the rules.
1: Sure, sure. No, so, no, 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 no. I wasn't. Yeah. No, and I wasn't trying to lay blame on yeah. by saying that. I, I just, all I'm I figured, saying is yeah. what people aren't aren't realizing is that you know here's a kid who all he does for money is play magic, and now he can't do that anymore. You know, I'm just more concerned about you know. I mean, because you, you guys know I'm friends with Alex. You know, you guys know that I consider Alex a friend. So, you know, we can't be entirely subjective or entirely objective here you know but i mean as someone who who knows alex you know on a personal level like i'm concerned with you know for him as a person right you, you know like i i recognize the difference there i recognize the difference between personality and person right you and know? people and
0: make I, mistakes people make mistakes people decide to do the wrong thing Plenty of times, and uh, I don't, again, I don't want this to sound like we're defending him. I'm just trying to present, and, and I think so are you. You know, mm-hmm. other thoughts. Uh, the other thing is, I didn't really ever weigh in on this um, at right. all. So uh, for me, these are actually just kind of a collection of thoughts I was having before it was announced whether or not he was banned before the investigation was uh, was wrapped up. Um, I. I try to look at every facet of things. At least that's that's what I I hope I try to do, um, yeah. and I'm trying to see things as you know. I watch it. I go. I could totally see myself accidentally playing two lands in a turn. You know, after especially or accident, accidentally playing an extra land in a turn where I played two explorers or I played it played an explorer played another. You know th- that that situation. I could totally see myself. Uh, you know. Putting the Kira in my hand instead of my graveyard, wh- whether accidentally or whether there was some kind of confusion over whether or not, uh, you know, the Jace bounced it or the Cursed Scroll killed it. Um, you know, I could totally see myself doing these things uh, by accident. And I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. If For those of you who may remember back when you and I did commentary at Memphis, and there was it was actually Alex versus Drew Levin in the top eight, and Drew accidentally sideboarded or accidentally. Miss sideboarded somehow where he had 14 cards in his sideboard and I guess 61 cards in his deck in between, I guess, game one and two, and he had just lost game one. The penalty for that is a game loss. And uh, he lost in the top eight in very anticlimactic fashion. And I was angry because I felt like, well, this is just a mistake. He just made an act, you know, accidentally made a mistake. And I understand, you know, the thing is that people can take advantage of that, and that's why that's the rule. And that, I'm not going to rehash all that, but the point is, I'm always, I guess, maybe I'm naive. I'm always trying to look for the, the possibility that someone made a mistake. And the fact that, you know, someone can say, well, we've got multiple mistakes. Well, people make multiple mistakes, and Alex is probably the most recorded magic player. In, in the history of the game. He's been on the Open Series consistently. He's been uh, a face on the Open Series, and therefore he has been featured in feature matches. You know, every weekend, every, he's at least on camera once a weekend, probably an average of two to three times a weekend, because if he does well, you start seeing him more and more at the top tables or in the top eight. Sometimes he's in, on camera, you know, four times per tournament if he's top eight standard and then top eight's legacy you know it's 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 crazy how many matches of Alex Bertoncini there are available for people to watch and pick apart as soon as rumors come out saying this guy might be cheating so right. you're gonna find mistakes or you're gonna find cheats also easier if he's doing them on camera and again I I don't want anybody to think that we're I'm saying he wasn't a cheater or I'm defending it. I'm just trying to point out some of the thoughts that I've had over the past few weeks since this has come out. Um, at this point, I guess it's all irrelevant. Assuming the, the, uh, investigation concluded that he was a cheater. We can go on with that as the assumption that he actually cheated. I'm sorry. Calling him a cheater sounds, sounds kind of offensive, I guess, but if you cheat, you're a cheater, I guess that's how it works. But, um, the, uh, the other kind of big thing, the other half of this entire uh, situation that came up on Friday, I think, last week, right, uh, was Star City Games made an announcement that they were going to revoke the prizes. The you know the Player of the Year award and the money for winning the Invitational, the $10,000. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that, Joe?
1: Um, kind of.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know if. We should talk about them.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason we can't make our opinions known if they're well thought out. you're Like, what a jerk! You know, that's probably sure. not very constructive. Um, <laughs> you want me to go first?
1: Yeah, sure, please.
0: Okay. <laughs> um,
1: I, know, I know the only reason, honestly, like the only reason why I'm like I got real tight lipped about it. It was because, I don't know if you saw, uh, Chris Maschioli mm-hmm. got fired from SCG. Yeah, yeah because I did he had see been that. posting, like, lots of, like, stuff on Alex's Facebook page and, like, different stuff um, right. about this. And that's why I'm like, I don't know if I want to say anything because I like okay. working for SCG.
0: Yeah. Um, well, in that, I mean... By that token, I have no problem saying what I have to say because I don't find anything wrong with the fact that they're revoking the prizes because to me, the prizes were uh, acquired via dishonest means. According to this DCI investigation, he he got those prizes by doing things that were not uh, allowed and so he doesn't deserve to keep them. So I absolutely have no problem with it, which is funny because I think – I think maybe I'm the reverse of a lot of people because a lot of people are like, "Yeah, what a cheater!" But he should have kept his prizes. I'm like, "Really? I'm confused." But anyway, uh, you know, and I, I'm kind of the opposite where I'm like, "Well, he probably cheated, but at least you know, look at it this way." But yeah, he definitely should have lost the prizes if he was cheating. So I, I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on that. Um, if you do, you want to say anything or do you want to just?
1: Not? I I feel I feel safer to being quiet. Okay. I, I, I'm I'm just going to say that I don't 100% agree with you.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and and by by being (laughs) quiet, I I
1: think you can. I'm I'm going to plead the fifth here.
0: (laughs) Okay, Uh, Just uh, to sort of summarize this, I I wanted to say um, Sam Stoddard pretty much – I can't put it better than what Sam said on the latest episode of In Contention. It's episode number 60. Um, I'm not going to rehash it here because if you guys want to know – Go listen to it, but um, I, I don't even think I could put it as well as he put it. But if you listen to what Sam thinks about the situation, that sums everything up for me. So, <laughs> uh, shout out to to In Contention. So, um, anything else you wanted to, to say, Joe, about the situation?
1: Um, I, I just want to say that you know when his. Alex's suspension's been been handed down to him. He's mm-hmm. got 18 months to sit at home and think about what happened and think about how to tighten up his play. Um, and I just want to say that, you know, in when that 18-month suspension is over and he is allowed back in tournaments, I will welcome him back with open arms, and I hope that all of you do too. You know, the punishment has been handed down. The punishment has been served. Don't punish the kid any further than the punishment that was given out by the DCI. That's you
0: know i'm 100% with you on that uh you know, you know keep an eye on your all your opponents obviously. sure
1: absolutely i think everyone's learned a lesson here you know yeah. and uh i hope you know or else we're just going to keep making the same mistakes so um yeah know, let's, let's let's move forward now you know it, everything's done or or well you know everything that's our business is done you know in terms of like his suspension and all that sort of right.
0: stuff. Right. So. At this point we, you know, there's nothing else really to be done about it. He's, you know, it's over with. Okay. So the other big announcement which we knew was coming, December 20th, always uh the banned restricted list updates and there were no bannings in legacy or standard, but as we suspected, there were bannings in modern. Wild Nacatl and Punishing Fire were banned. Um do you do you want to go first on any, any thoughts you have on this? Or do you just want to be like, I don't care because I'm going to play mono red and who wants to play a bad shock? <laughs> I mean, I don't.
1: <laughs> no, I actually do have some thoughts on this. Okay. Um, I, first of all, this doesn't come as a surprise. Um, everyone's been pointing at these two cards as cards that could possibly be banned for
0: months. Yeah, we talked about it a couple weeks ago.
1: Right. So, I mean, no surprise there. uh that definitely no Surprise Punishing Fire got banned. Surprised. Punishing Fire made it through the September bannings, frankly. Um, While well, Nakadol's a little more of a surprise, everyone's been talking about Nakadol possibly being banned uh, this go-around.
0: So maybe it's a little more controversial, but le- I don't think surprise, That's actually. Not, not yeah.
1: surprise, <laughs> but... Uh, Controversy. You know, yeah. It kind of makes you go, huh, okay. So yeah. Creature can only be as big as a 3-3 Based on what's printed on the card, is too good.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, that, I want to hear what you think about because I have I have a response immediately to that statement, but I'll, I want to get into that when I talk. So go ahead. You
1: know. You know what. I want to hear what you I want to hear what you got to say. Come on, go ahead. Okay. Well, I think if you seem fired up. So yeah. Go ahead.
0: Okay. For one thing, I have absolutely no problem with either of these. I think they're both fine. Punishing Fire, I'm actually glad about because for those of you knowing the deck that I play, all the creatures died to Punishing Fire. Yeah. <laughs> so except for Tarmogoyf, sometimes or most of the time, hopefully. But anyway, uh, I did run Punishing Fire in my my deck as well. But I'm I'm happy to take that out. I kind of stretched the mana base a bit trying to add that into the deck, but. That's another story. Punishing Fire, I, I totally understand. Wild Nacodle, I totally understand that too. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings um, regarding why Wild Nacodle was banned. Uh, a lot of it hinging on the statement you just made about it's a 3-3, it's too good. Like roughly that, that thought paraphrased. Um, Smitty, Jesse Smith on, uh, you know, of, of 60cards.com uh, and the A-Team podcast or formerly of the A-Team podcast, uh, he – kind of was throwing a little bit of a fit on Twitter, as he tends to do sometimes. Um, And he's saying basically all this, like why green never gets anything, green can never be good, this creature isn't even overpowered, it's just a 3-3. And I think that's the the misunderstanding. It's not being banned because it's overpowered. It's being banned because it limits the deck choices and leads to a more stale format. I think overpowered... Is not, is not what it is. But would you agree that Nakadal is probably the most efficient aggro creature in the format and possibly even the most efficient aggro creature ever in Magic?
1: Definitely one of the top three, right. five, you know, like... I mean,
0: it's, it's a zoo staple in Legacy. Right. Right. So uh, if all... If you look at Modern and you go, okay, I'm going to build an aggro deck. If all the aggro decks go, what do, what do I want to play here? If they're all starting with Wild Nakadal... Well, now you need plains and mountains in your deck, right? So you just auto your you're auto zoo, right? You automatically fall right into that deck. So, right, you, you that's why you know if zoo becomes a default aggro deck, which it does, if you're starting with the best and most efficient aggressive creature in the format, zoo is just all, all the aggro decks are zoo, and it's boring and it's stale. You know, if you want to play a non-zoo deck, you need to justify why you're not playing a three-three for one mana. Like you know, like Wild Nacodle. So, um, you know, people. Do you remember Watch Wolf? It was a three-three for two mana, and people yeah. were flipping out about that. Go back. I'm sure. You know, I'm saying I'm sure, but I'm not actually a hundred percent sure that that uh, Mike Flores was the one who previewed Watch Wolf back in 2005. You know, I'm I'm almost positive because it was the tournament. You know, it was expected to be a tournament staple because right. it was a three-three for two. You know, so. That's a three three for one is really really good, obviously, I don't have to explain that, but I think that's why it's being banned. It's being banned because they want more uh they want more diversity among agro decks. you want to see affinity decks, you want to see a merfolk deck you want to even see fairies deck there's no bitter blossom so there's no reason not to you know there's no reason to fear the fairy decks uh you know like the 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 dirty word that a lot of people treat it as <laughs> you know what I mean. Because it's not the same fairy deck that was in standard and uh, and extended with Bitter Blossom. But anyway, so that, that's what I have to say about it. I think just people need to understand the, it's not being banned because it's overpowered. That's not the reason. It's being pa- banned because it, it is the default aggro creature and makes Zoo the d- default aggro deck. Right.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I, I can understand why it would be banned. Um and I like the fact that it makes Merfolk better being banned, uh, per Alex Bertincini, uh on Facebook. <laughs> uh, let me actually – here, I can pull up the exact uh, quote from him in a second because I thought it was actually kind of funny. Um, Here we go. With Wild Nacoddle and Punishing Fire banned, now Merfolk can be good in modern. Can't wait to pl- – oh, wait.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> Didn't he write something else about uh, – I think it was on Twitter, something about – uh, everything being banned, Wild Nacatl publishing fire and him, something like that. <laughs> so, nice. But yeah, go go ahead with your your thoughts on on it.
1: Um, with with the Wild Nacatl, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, I think it opens up the format a little more because you're right. I mean, when you when you're able to play the best two creatures like in Legacy, then there's like really no reason to play. You know, you can either play like pretty much an intact legacy deck in modern before the bannings, you know, or you could play all these other, you know, kind of good old standard
0: decks, (laughs) you know, like
1: it seems kind of like a no brainer. It's like, well, I'm going to play the legacy deck, you know, obviously you play the legacy deck, right? Right. And so, I mean, taking that out of the equation kind of, you know, makes it forces people to kind of play different things or, or kind of, you know, brew a little harder. Um,
0: Yeah, and I think something that people are missing, all the people that are upset about Wild Nakadal are being banned, theoretically, those are people that want to play with the card, right? Um, Sure. And I think those are the people that this helps the most, this whole banning, both Punishing Fire and Nakadal. Nakadal being banned opens up your – uh, your choices to playing other aggressive decks because assuming you wanted to play wild Nacatl, you obviously want to play an aggressive deck. You, you must like playing aggressive creatures. So you want to play an aggressive deck. Now you have more choices than that. And then punishing fire being banned. I'm sure nobody's really complaining about that, but this whole thing helped aggro decks more than I think any other, any other deck, you get more, more aggro choices. And now all your guys having, uh, you know, two or less toughness is not an issue, you know? Right. So you know, I I think um, people need to look at it that way. Just because you can't play Nacatl, you know, that doesn't mean aggro decks are suddenly shut down. You know, no, you can not, still not play Zoo. <laughs> you know, you can still play Zoo. While Nacatl wasn't printed until Shards of Alara, Zoo has been a deck since uh, since Ravnica, which right. was three years earlier. You know, Zoo has
1: been a deck since Curdape.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but the name Zoo, it was like Savannah lions and curd apes and you know creatures like that. It was a you can still play Zoo, you can play Lightning Helix and Tarmogoyf and Noble Hierarch and uh, you know all kinds of awesome aggressive creatures. You know, you just opened up four more slots in your deck, in your Zoo deck, right. if you want to play those colors. You just can't play Nacatl.
1: Right. Um, I mean, I, I definitely have no problem with it. I think. Yeah. It's, I think it's positive. I think it's. Uh... You know, they're trying to sort out the format. I still have faith that they will unban some things down the road.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. At you some know? point in the future something will be unbanned. I think that's pretty easy to uh that's a pre- pretty easy prediction, I'd think.
1: Yeah. But it's you know, they're just trying to create a healthy format, a healthy eternal format at that, you know. Right. Or, you know, semi you know, non rotating format. Um, it's just gonna take some time. They're they're tweaking it yeah I think so far they're doing a good job um I think every i've every like tweak they've made to the band list um I felt was positive. you know what I mean I've never mm-hmm. felt like any of the like changes they've made have been negative or like oh it's stupid, but I mean speaking personally about the format like I'm not that interested in playing the format. I don't know why it's just, I'd, I'd rather play legacy or standard. I don't know why. Um, but I, I am building mono red for it. I did just order four Italian uh, grove of the not grove of the burn willows. Wait, that was <laughs> <laughs> flames of the blood hand. I know it had okay. about the same damn number of words in it <laughs> uh, Four Italian flames of the blood hand. I got my riff, uh, not my riff bolts, lava spikes, Mm-hmm. um reign of gore, I'm totally playing reign of gore Because um, it's ridiculous.
0: What does that um, one do again?
1: It's like whenever a player gains life, that player loses that much life instead
0: okay I, I know something like that
1: it's awesome, awesome, awesome is that card. from like
0: from like uh Descension. shadow Mo- or dissension yeah
1: Dissension, yeah. it's such a cool card, like I'm so excited about that card um. It's like, oh, nice timely reinforcements. You lose six. <laughs> Jeez.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I think they'd probably not play it if you had right. that in play. I mean, sure. it's, it's an enchantment, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. they, they You can like, instant speed <laughs> in response no. to your timely reinforcements. Right. <laughs> That'd be pretty nice.
1: But there's still, you know.
0: I'm, I think there are cards. There's probably a card that does that that I'm just not thinking of. That's just like if a player is some, some well, sort of some... instant.
1: Oh, I don't know about instant, but I mean like there are a lot of different cards like uh, let's say if a player would gain life, they gain no life. You know what I mean? But that's the right. only one I've seen where it's like they lose life. It's like, all right, like slap that down. It's like go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and attack with your sword of war and peace. I don't care.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks you know. Like, help.
1: Just negate everything you're working on. Um
0: What's the name of that? There's a creature. I think it was in Morningtide uh, that it's like a two-drop that when it deals Stigma damage. the Lasher. That's it, yeah.
1: Can't you they, they can't
0: awesome. gain life for the rest of the game. Isn't that what it right. is? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a cool card. I love that card.
0: I've never played with it, but I remember I, – I feel like I remember you playing with it.
1: I don't think I've ever gotten through with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I think I'd probably want to stop that from uh, <laughs> from connecting yeah. if I were – And I'm sure I was sometimes the opponent in that situation.
1: Probably most of the time, but Mm -hmm. anyway. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, What was I saying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You were building Mono Red for Modern?
1: Yes, I am. And I got some of the cards for it. I still need some of the more expensive cards for it. But uh, we're moving in that direction. And, you know, I mean, obviously not too... I mean I'm not displeased with the format if I'm building a deck for it.
0: Right. And I think you know? more and more people are going to want to be playing it uh even casually because or, or I guess casually playtesting wise, you know, uh if even if you don't decide to play in any tournaments, people are going to want to play in our play group. Uh they yeah. want to playtest and mono red has a lot of tools in modern and in the larger formats uh, I mean, There's all, a lot of good mono red cards.
1: The only uh the only Tool that I'm – tool that I'm really interested in is uh, ball lightning.
0: <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's funny that you're so excited about ball lightning.
1: Yeah, do you want to know why? Why? I have no idea, okay. honestly. I'm just like <laughs> – I'm like, oh, yeah, ball lightning. Going to rock that. Like like so determined to play ball lightning. So
0: That's awesome. That's uh, – I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, speaking of decks you're playing – before we uh, before we move on to the next topic, you still playing mono red and standard? Or are you working on the deck you played at the Invitational?
1: More? No, I'm playing mono red again. Back yeah. to mono red. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I should. I probably shouldn't have played that deck. I really liked the deck, but you, you I played always,
0: a rug control deck, right?
1: Yeah, it's not my style at all. Um, it just didn't work for me. But uh,
0: yeah, and that's pretty much. It's funny how you have like your instinct tells you, I don't want to play this kind of deck, and then you, you know. Get kind of attracted. You're like, ooh, flashy, neat looking deck. I want to play it. And then you realize, uh, this is exactly what I didn't want to do. You know, I mean, you pretty much said on the podcast why you didn't want to play that kind of deck, and then you just went and did it anyway.
1: Yeah, well, that's because I'm stubborn.
0: Hey, I, I couldn't talk you out of it because to me, that's the deck that I would want to play. So I have no ar- good argument for telling you, you know, I mean, I would have wanted to play a deck more like that than Mono Red. If you were like, this or Mono Red, I'd be like, well, I can't argue for mono-red because I'd want to play the other, you know, the control deck. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm still working on blue-black, but I think I'm shifting to Grixis in standard. Um, we, uh, you know, we've we've got basically, we've got a couple more standard events coming up before the next set, before Dark Ascension comes out. We've got two Star City Opens in early January, and we've got um, GP Orlando is standard, so... Uh, but but really not a lot of standard happening i don't think uh beyond you know your usual kind of F and local tournaments and things like that um but i'm pretty uh i'm pretty excited really i'm just really excited to play desperate ravings and olivia voldaren so i think that's i just want to build a deck around them and snapcaster mage and then it just it's it's obviously grixis so i think that's where i'm uh the direction i'm headed but i still really feel strongly about blue black I think it's tough for me because I think I want to be – I want to be playing a consistent deck, you know? Right. Um, And the mana base is a big part of that. So there was another announcement on Tuesday and it was actually less of an announcement than kind of like something that happened and wasn't very well publicized, I guess. But, you know, I, I guess it was publicized Enough to where I heard about it and uh, – but it wasn't really on the main page and there was no real explanation for it. But the, uh, the Infraction Procedure Guideline or gui- – yeah, that's, that's what IPG stands for, right? <laughs> the infraction Procedure Guide I think is yeah. actually what it is. Uh,
1: no, it's the Infraction Procedure Guy.
0: Oh, OK. That guy. Anyway, there were some changes to that guy. Actually, let me preface this by saying the changes apply only to like to competitive REL. Um, did you read the article that I sent you? Or yeah, you skim I, I,
1: I skimmed it a little bit. Um, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but we talked okay. about it a little bit last night, and I kind of knew like
0: okay. Good. You know, you what was heard. going
1: on. I was a, I was familiar with it already. so
0: Okay. Um, we actually are going to have a, a guest on the show, but unfortunately Joe has to go in a few minutes uh, before the guest can get here. Um, so we're going to be having uh, Jared Silva, judge from Star City Games, on the show to help explain this a little bit. Um, but since he's not uh, available at this particular minute and Joe has to has to go to work, uh, I figure you and I can discuss it for a few minutes and then we'll switch over and uh, and Jared will be on and you will be on your way to work. So, Sounds good to me. Sounds good. So, the as I said, this really only applies to competitive REL. Um, and to try to sum it up as simply as I can, they're basically adding – A may, you know, may clause to all triggers, all the formerly mandatory triggers. So, I mean, that's the really basic kind of summary of it. I think overall it's very confusing, hence the fact that I actually asked Jared to come on the show to explain. And I don't even know after I talk to Jared if I'm going to understand all these because from everything I've read, I'm still kind of unclear. Let Um, me just
1: say this. I'm – because I, I know that's probably the last thing I'm going to get to say, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, gotta leave cause I got to leave because I got—I still have to like—I have to be out the door at eleven. I have to put my shoes on and everything. Okay, and,
0: yeah. So you just and, go,
1: but, um, go for let me, it. me just say this, and then I'm going to roll. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm—I'm I'm not a big fan of this for some for part, uh, you know, part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, given the whole like all this talk about cheating in the last week, which has been unavoidable. Um, It seems like the DCI going ahead and making a rule that kind of encourages – in so many words, encourages cheating.
0: Encourages or maybe facilitates?
1: Facilitates cheating. It doesn't encourage it, but I don't think any rule would encourage (laughs) cheating. You know what I mean though? And if you
0: can draw an extra card, do it.
1: Yeah, by all means. And if nobody sees you, who who cares? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that's like the TCI puts a new rule into the IPG. Yeah,
0: all creatures now have the cheaty face clause. <laughs> um, so go go ahead. So the
1: yeah. So um, like the fact that you know if you have six cards in your library and you pass the turn with a Jinn Taxius out and your opponent can't like say, oh yeah, you need to draw seven. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just the fact that, like, you can potentially abuse it, you know, missing triggers that would kill you.
0: Right. You intentionally miss triggers, basically. In-
1: intentionally, unintentionally miss triggers. You know right. what I mean? Like, it seems very gray area and, and very, uh, you know, o- like, open to interpretation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: it's super. It's very confusing like that's why I'm saying you know why you say when you say gray area that's that's exactly what I mean like all these weird sort of interactions can come up, and it, it rather than simplifying the game like something uh like damage on the stack being removed actually simplified the game you know they they tried to simplify the game it's all of a sudden like, hey, now we're gonna mix things up like crazy and uh you know it's just going to be really confusing oh but this doesn't apply at FNM so that just makes it easier you know what what you know it's just extremely it, it feels like it feels like we need like one of those uh you know the the charts, the flow charts, yeah. Where you're like, did they do this? Yes or no? You know, and you're like, follow the thing. I need to have that next to the table next to me or something as I'm playing a game because are you at F and M? Okay, first first uh, split, yes or no? You know, is this competitive REL? All right, now it's just like ridiculous can yeah. can this target your opponent or is it option it's optional only if it can target your opponent uh, what i'm confused it just makes things very confusing um yeah seems uh, weird maybe i'm misunderstanding it i probably am and Joey, that's yeah i have to run okay i
1: have to run run
0: okay cool get out of here joe
1: bye I'm go to up. work i will all right gotta bye. go to work gotta go to work
0: all right, we're joined by Jared Silva of Star City Games. Uh, Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joey. Um, Jared, I guess if you do you want to introduce yourself and tell people uh, who you are, for the, those who might not know.
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Jared Silva. I am the event manager for Star City Games. I'm also a Level 3 judge and the regional coordinator for the Mid-Atlantic region, so that means that uh, any judges in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, if they're having any issues within the program, they're going to be coming to me, and I'm going to be trying to help them out.
0: Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, the reason we uh, we wanted you to come on the show is these uh, these IPG changes, um, and uh, they they seem on the surface. I think I wasn't as confused, or at least initially when I was getting the. Uh, kind of uh, i hadn't read it myself but i was getting kind of the the basics of it from people talking about it a little bit on twitter and uh you know it sounded to me like essentially they just added may to a bunch of mandatory triggers and um i think it's it after reading it it's a lot more complicated than that so um i guess how, how would you sort of describe describe it sort of in summary i guess uh these these changes
2: I think what's interesting about it is exactly what you just said. It's a very simple idea. Um, a lot of abilities have traditionally been written with a may because they're beneficial abilities. Stuff like gaining life off of uh, Soul Warden was a may ability, but it has been retemplated recently and uh, Soul Warden to Soul's Attendant is actually one of the best examples of the change in philosophy uh, from Magic Mm R&D to remove the May from these types of beneficial abilities. It simplifies the cards for newer players. Uh, It also makes for fewer decisions to be made, uh, which simplifies gameplay for newer players. Uh, But for competitive players, for tournament players, it raises a lot of uh, concerns and a lot of questions that over the last couple of years have really kind of built up uh, as it became clear that R&D is uh, has decided this and that they are pretty much removing the abilities from, uh, from the game. Um, so if you're sitting across from someone who has a soul warden and they forget to gain life, there's no problem at all. Uh, they don't have to gain life. They're, you're under no obligation to tell them that they have to gain life. But if it's the soul's attendant on the other side of the board, uh, at competitive REL prior to this change, uh, you are obligated to tell your opponent that they have to gain life. Right. Um, and that really was something that didn't fit too well with competitive players. Um, and so with it becoming clear that that's not going to be changed in the card templating, uh, the, uh, higher ups at the DCI And in the judge for Rampoo Right, the IPG decided that they needed to address it in policy rather than uh, trying to address it through the templating of the cards. Um, So that's what led us to this uh, new IPG and the addition of Section 1.4 for optional abilities. It sets down specifically uh, what abilities are now optional at competitive and professional REL. And essentially, if you went back in time of about three years prior to the uh, M10 uh, changeover uh, and I believe it was M11 where Soul 10 came out, uh, you wouldn't have needed this because all of the cards would be templated in a way that these abilities would have a may on them. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the updated templating, we needed to have a policy for how to make these uh, abilities something that would be skill-testing again.
0: Okay. So, like, uh, you know, just to kind of interject a little bit, um, on the surface, that all sounds fantastic. I think that was something, you know that my initial impression was positive uh you know i don't think it's right that i need to remind my opponent to put a counter on his shrine of burning rage you know because Absolutely. uh you know i that that could cost me the game i could you know uh lose the game or i could win the game at one life because he forgot to put a counter on it or at least that would be what i'd want it to be like if he forgot to put a, a counter on it and then i win the game at one life you know that that mattered entirely you know that that completely changed the outcome of the game.
2: Um, Absolutely. And the phrase that often gets bandied around is, I don't want to have to play the game for my opponent. Yeah. And for a long time, uh, for the last couple of years, as the, sh- the templating of the um, of the cards has changed, there's been more and more of that that's been mandated uh, within the, uh, the rules of how you have to play the game at a competitive level. And so... A lot of people that I know, they are really behind the idea of this policy, and it's really the nitty-gritty that people are trying to kind of pick at and figure out whether or not it's going to work. It's a major change. It's a major change in philosophy, and so having to nail down specifically how the, uh, how the change is going to manifest at competitive and professional REL is the part where it starts to get complicated.
0: Yeah, it seems, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it seems very actually confusing when you start getting into the, the details of it. Um, you know, for example, and I know, you know, I mentioned a little bit of a little bit of this uh, before we started recording. Um, Glimpse of Nature, for example, is a card that has been brought up. Um, it it allows you, you, you draw a card for the rest of the turn. You draw a card for every uh, every time you cast a creature spell. And yep. that means decks like Elf Combo for example, which is probably the place where you see it most often, uh, could deck themselves if they played too many creatures uh, or, you know, just they can get themselves in a situation where they would be in danger of decking themselves. Um, And now that's, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, that's actually optional. Um, It's become... Go ahead.
2: The clause that that falls under Mm -hmm. is, uh, under optional abilities, one of the, uh, one of the bullet points that indicates that it's an optional ability is puts cards from your library, graveyard, or exile zones into your hand or onto the battlefield. Uh, and it actually notes that this includes drawing cards. So the glimpse of nature, glimpse of nature actually creates, uh, a trigger, an ability that will trigger every time that you play a creature that turn. So that is a triggered ability, um, and optional abilities. One of the things that people are missing is that the definition of an optional ability only comes into play under the uh, additional remedy uh, of gameplay error mistrick. So it's it's being applied much more broadly by some people than it's actually uh, intended, and then it actually applies, and so. Under additional remedy, uh, the, uh, the important part is if the trigger instruction is optional, mm-hmm. may or up to X where zero is a valid choice and specifies no consequence for not doing it, or the trigger is an optional ability, Section 1.4, assume the player has chosen not to perform the instruction and issue no penalty. So that's actually the only point where the Section 1.4, Optional Abilities, actually comes into play in terms of determining what to do uh, in the case of an ability. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read the the lead-in for optional abilities. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, some abilities include the word "may" as part of their text, indicating that their effect is optional. At competitive and professional REL, some additional triggered abilities and enter the battlefield replacement effects are considered optional. The player is not required to follow the instruction when the effect ability resolves, and if the ability is forgotten, it will not retroactively be applied. Any an optional ability does one or more of the following things and nothing else. Game view life or causes an opponent to lose life, puts cards from your library, graveyard, or exile zone into your hand or onto the battlefield. This includes drawing cards. Causes. Opponents to put objects from their hand or the battlefield into the library, graveyard, or exile. Put the permanent into play under your control, or gives you control of a permanent. Put plus X, plus X counters, or counters linked to a beneficial effect on a permanent you control. Gives plus X, plus X, or a beneficial ability to a tar- target creature you control. Exiles, damages, destroys, taps or gives minus X, minus X to an opponent's target permanent. If the ability could target your own permanent, it is not optional unless the ability could target an opponent.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that gives, part sounds... That, okay, I'm sorry, Did you had or more to read. more I'm
2: going to run through, but then okay. we'll jump back to this. Okay. Gives you additional turns or phases, and the last one is counters a spell or conditionally counters a spell, but only when cast by an opponent. Okay. Uh, and then abilities that trigger at the same point each player's turn and do something to that player, uh, for example, Howling Mine are never optional. Uh, so the one that you jumped in on and that I think is probably the most confusing is uh, Exiles damages, destroys, taps, or gives minus X minus X to an opponent's target permanent. If this ability, if the ability could target your own permanent, it is not optional unless that ability could target an opponent. Uh, So that's going to, the card that I've heard most mixed up uh, regarding this clause Mm
0: -hmm. is Nectral. Okay. Skin Render was one that I had thought of, but pretty similar idea.
2: Absolutely. And so essentially those are not going to be optional because they have to target something and they could wind up targeting um, something that you control. Um, whereas, uh, I'm trying to think of a creature that, uh, that would have a comes into play that only targets an opponent's creature, Mm -hmm. um, or something like, uh, let's say spark mage where it deals one damage to, uh, target, uh, creature or opponent or player. Mm -hmm. Um, so, since that ability could target an opponent, uh-huh. uh, it would be
0: optional. So, like something like Spark Mage Apprentice, is that what you're talking about? The, uh, yeah, yeah That's it's what like I was right. Okay, so yeah, when it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to target creature or player. So it's optional because it could target your opponent. Yeah, is what you're saying. So basically, if there's no creatures on board, I can play Spark Mage and decline to deal damage to my opponent or myself. Is that right? Uh, Okay. Yeah, it seems, all right, so, you know, obviously we want to bring back some sort of competitiveness to the game where, oh, you want, obviously it's not, it's already competitive, but you want to bring back more of that, these kind of situations where, hey, my opponent made a mental mistake in forgetting, you know, for example, Shrine of Burning Rage, as I brought up before, um, and he should be punished or he should have the consequences of that himself, and and that all makes sense. Go ahead, I'm sorry essentially we want players
2: to be able to make mistakes. Right, now, it's okay. It's not not designed to punish anyone for making these mistakes, but what it is designed to do is to allow players to make mistakes without the rules and the policies requiring both players to be watching for them uh, or or to fix. them. Uh, so an important piece that that is also added in here Uh uh, in addition to the optional abilities is uh, that under the philosophy of missed trigger players other than the controller of a trigger are under no obligation to point out that a trigger has been missed, though they may do so if they wish. This actually applies to all triggers. So if your opponent forgets something, uh, you're no longer going to be dinged for also missing. Okay. Um, it also means that you may have strategic decisions to make uh, that are uh, based on your opponent missing something, which may be good for them, may be bad for you. You know, may fall into different categories, and you re- you can even if you recognize right away that they've missed it, mm-hmm. you are under no obligation to tell them that they miss it. It's their responsibility to track their triggers.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I, I guess my my question. I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, but uh, I'll at least try um, with something like Shrine of Burning Rage. I just want to kind of, for consistency's mm-hmm. sake, um, my opponent misses the the trigger. You know, his upkeep, and then he even say he even casts a red spell and completely forgets to put put a counter on it twice. So now he passes the turn to me. Mm-hmm. Ca- is I, I, do, I have no obligation to uh, to say anything. Does he, right. if I were to, say, call a judge and say, all right, he missed both of those triggers, he's no longer penalized for missing those triggers either? Is that correct?
2: No, it's treated as if it's an optional ability, which okay. means that we assume that they chose not to okay. and continue without an infraction.
0: Okay, I see. That's what I was trying to clarify a little bit. Um, and then uh, how about a card like dark confidant which you know has has kind of what could could be considered beneficial and you know kind of a, a negative effect at the same time where you lose life but you're you're drawing a card and sometimes you'd rather lose life uh, or you'd rather not draw a card at all i'm sure because maybe you're in danger of decking yourself or killing yourself with from a life loss so say my opponent has a dark confidant in play and then just moves on to his draw step um what should, so yeah what would happen there
2: there definitely have been a lot of questions about cards like Dark Continent, Phyrexian Arena, uh, and the key clause in the optional abilities section is an optional ability does one or more of the following things and nothing else. Life loss or potential life loss uh, is not on the list, and so even though it does put a card into your hand, mm-hmm. uh it is not going to be an optional ability because it has other clauses in that ability. Um, so it is it is something where you um, where part of it falls under the optional ability, uh-huh. but if you identify an optional ability by it has to fall completely within uh, the list of uh, beneficial effects.
0: Okay, so in this case, it would be treated pretty much the same as it's treated now, except I wouldn't be penalized for for not pointing it out, or or uh, or maybe I wouldn't be penalized if I were to call a judge and say he missed it, but he would be? Is that is that right? So so because it's no longer... Be, it, go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Uh, there would be a couple of possibilities. The mm-hmm. first one is your opponent misses it. You are no longer under any obligation to tell them they missed their dark confidant trigger. Okay. However... Uh, if you want them to use that trigger you essentially can say miss your dark confidant judge my opponent miss uh, the dark his dark confidant trigger okay at that point the uh, the trigger uh, okay. would be placed onto the stack and I just need to read one section quickly
0: okay
2: the trigger uh, requires no choices to be made as Uh, sorry, it is uh, essentially it's a mandatory trigger. It will be put onto the stack, and there will be an infraction issued there. Um, The way that the Dark Confidant is handled is uh, the player drew the card. Uh, The judge should ask uh, whether or not any of the cards on top of the library were known through a Sensei's Divining Top or anything along those lines Mm -hmm. Um, to check and figure out whether or not there's any chance of uh, it being an intentional mistake. Uh, But usually the way that it will be handled with no ordered cards on top is going to be you put the Dark Confidant trigger onto the stack uh, immediately. Uh, There's also a change as to where it goes on the stack now. It's actually going to go onto the bottom of the stack rather than onto the top of the stack. So that means if you're in the middle of resolving something or doing something uh, such as declaring attackers or something along those lines, um, that's going to finish resolving before you deal with the trigger as opposed to uh, before this version of the IPG it actually went on to the top of the stack, which could lead to some very strange uh, interactions, such as if you had a trigger that was going to destroy a creature and there was a spell that was targeting that creature, the trigger jumping on on top would allow you to uh, say, sacrifice the creature that was being targeted by a spell that had already been cast. And that just gets pretty complicated. And yeah. so putting it onto the bottom just means that anything that, any decisions that have already been made, mm-hmm. uh, the game state's not going to change before uh, all of that resolves.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's definitely, it almost feels like it's way more confusing but maybe it's just because it's early in the in the process we've had it for you know what uh, 36 hours or something yeah. at this point um, it's
2: changed so it, it's going to be it's going to be different and it's going to be uh something that you need to adjust to uh, i think that most competitive players are actually going to really like this change mm-hmm. um and be able to find maybe even new decks in this, because cards like Glimpse, cards like Transcendence, they change in terms of how they functionally work when you can decide that you don't want to gain life, you don't want to draw a card. Uh, It makes uh, a bunch of cards play differently, and anytime that you make cards play differently, they're certainly going to change in
0: value. Yeah, let's quickly talk about Transcendence. This is an old one from Torment, and uh, I don't think I've seen it in years. Um, just to uh, let you guys know, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's an enchantment for white, 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 and three. It's uh, The Oracle text is, you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. When you have 20 or more life, you lose the game. Whenever you lose life, you gain two life for each one life you lost, damage dealt to you causes you to lose life. Uh, so is a torment rare? Um, so how does this, uh, you you actually brought this up to me before we started recording. So how does this change with these new uh, new guidelines in place?
2: Well, the interesting thing is you have two uh, ongoing abilities that it has, and then you have a triggered ability mm-hmm. uh, for for the life gain. So you're still going to lose the life Uh, from taking damage or from, uh, you know, if you have a Dark Confidant, you're losing life from revealing a card. Mm -hmm. But what you'll then have is a trigger that's going to gain you twice as much life as you lost. And so the, the original idea of this card was you'll lose life and then you'll gain twice as much, so you'll actually wind up gaining the same amount of life that you lost. But now, since that trigger gains you life and that's all that it does, it means that you can choose not to gain that life. And since you now die uh, due to having more than 20 life, you essentially get to live forever yeah. in terms of life loss.
0: Right, as long as the uh, transcendence sticks you can around. Choose, no,
2: no, no. I, I don't want to go over 20. I don't want to lose the game. I'll happily decline to gain that life. Right. Um, it also makes for some interesting things because sometimes you may choose to gain some life so that you don't get into the Platinum Angel uh, paradox of you're at negative life, which means if your your platinum angel dies, then you die. Right, um, and so you can use the life gain selectively to keep yourself in a range between one and 19, because that's perfectly fine. The, the only problem is whether you jump over 20, or if you you let yourself get under zero. Right, and so it's. Uh, it's a very interesting card now, but it has no drawback at all because of this change
0: yeah it's so strange it, it makes i mean it doesn't make sense, but it does <laughs> it's it's so <laughs> odd how this works uh these little loopholes but um you know I think it's something we'll just have to get used to um The last card I wanted to mention, and I think this kind of falls into the similar scenario with uh the glimpse of nature is Gataxius. Um, you yep. know, the, I think, uh, what Joe actually brought up, uh, when we had him on, uh, before he had to go to work, uh, he mentioned Jenga like having that in play and only say six cards left in your library. Um, or, you know, maybe just maybe seven or eight or something, you know, you're, you're just, you've just got a few left. If you draw off the jingataxius you are really in danger of, of losing. So, uh, in that case is that, 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 also falls into the optional ability situation. So
2: that would fall, that would fall under the, uh, put cards from your library graveyard or exile zones into your hand. Uh, and so essentially that card mind Unbound. um, that's going to, both of those are going to be things where you draw a certain amount of cards off of a trigger. So you can decline to do that. You can choose not to, um, Honestly, Jenga comes up out of Reanimators, and a lot of the discussion around the office was, if you're getting to the point where you're decking yourself with Jenga Taxis, and you probably <laughs> did something wrong anyway. But, um, but yes, it can get you out of that one in a hundred times when you are when you have Jenga Taxis out for long enough to be drawing your entire deck. Um, the card that's been going around that uh, a lot of people are... Uh, mistakenly placing under this is forced fruition, um, because yeah. that one,
0: uh, it yeah, I can I can read it real quick. It's an enchantment from Lorwyn. Uh, it's blue, blue, and four. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, that player draws seven cards.
2: Yes, and so since it's an opponent and not you, mm-hmm. it's actually a mandatory trigger.
0: Okay, right, that makes sense because if it's your forced fruition. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not putting cards into your hand. It's putting yeah. cards into theirs. Is that the the, the key there? I'm, I'm. That is the key. Okay. So that, that works as it would work now. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I gather that your opinion of this is largely positive, I think. I'm, I'm getting that impression I, anyway.
2: I think that with any whole-scale change like this, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to look forward to some small tweaks to make it work better because anytime that you develop something like this in theory, as soon as it starts getting used, there's going to be slight cracks. Uh, and I absolutely trust the, the higher ups at the DCI, Toby Elliott, to go in and make any adjustments that are necessary to really make this work the way that they want to. But I am wholeheartedly behind the idea of you have to play your game. Let me play mine. And I don't have to help you out. Um, and that's really kind of where this comes from. And I think that this is a great starting point. Uh, I encourage people to read uh, Section 1.4, the Optional Abilities, and get familiar with exactly what it says because it is very restrictive as to what is an optional trigger. Um, And also, I encourage you to continue... At regular REL to make sure that you're pointing out all of all of the triggers for your opponents, because it does only apply to competitive and professional REL
0: yeah I almost wonder if that's something like personally I would almost want to want it to apply across the board just for simplicity's sake I understand the uh the logic though for keeping FNMs a little bit more casual and, and events like that um so-
2: the goal is to keep those accessible for newer players, and that's really what the templating change was for. But once you start getting to a competitive level where there's more at stake, uh, you're expected to play with a higher level of uh, of skill and specificity. Right. Having to track your opponent all the time is is not something that we want. is not another burden that we want to put on players. Um, and it, with the templating change a couple of years ago, it's really shifted the way that that played out. And so this is definitely uh, a policy that's aimed at kind of fixing that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Sounds, uh, I I like the logic behind it. So I, I, but you know, as, as you mentioned, um, it's going to be confusing at first. I think, I think you expect maybe some minor tweaks to this to show up in the relatively near future. You think?
2: I would expect that you're going to see uh, tweaks to this showing up in at least the next version of the IPG. There may be some small uh, some small changes around, um, some small kind of pinpoint changes uh, that come in, in between versions, but usually they're pretty good at being able to play through uh, a chunk, and we'll see them coming out in... Uh, in March for the April first uh, version. Okay. Uh, the one there's one more thing that I do want to point out because um, these these types of triggers have been showing up more often. So uh, a new uh, remedy was put in for some of them. Stuff like Curse of the Bloody Tome.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, if you enchant your opponent with Curse of the Bloody Tome, your first indication that they've moved beyond beyond their upkeep is usually them drawing a card. Uh-huh. And so uh, trigger, triggers that occur uh, during the upkeep of a player other than the trigger's controller, and that player has drawn a card before giving the controller a chance to resolve the trigger, but no other actions have been taken, uh, we are just going to put that trigger on the stack and issue no penalty. So that just means just remind them to, to mill the two cards, they'll do it then, and go from there. Uh, there's going to be some other things, uh, such as, you know, werewolves trigger during the upkeep and stuff like that. Um, you'll see those popping up where someone will just immediately go to their turn, draw a card, and you'll have to flip your werewolf or remind them to flip theirs or something along those lines. And okay. we're just going to go ahead and take care of those rather than feeling that those needed to be tracked.
0: I see. All right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a ton, Jared, for coming on the show and explaining some of that, at least clarifying it to a pretty good degree. And uh, you know, it's it's definitely uh, definitely different, and hopefully a positive change in general um, in the long run, anyway. So appreciate Certainly. you uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to explain all that. So. All
2: right. I'm really interested to see what changes this makes because it changes how some cards
1: function.
0: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, the transcendence thing is definitely pretty crazy. And uh, now, I mean, I play elf combo a little bit in Legacy, so and now I don't need to worry about my glimpse of nature. So. Yeah. A <laughs> so, little, little bit more uh, breathing space. Right, exactly. So, all right. Thanks, Jared. Uh, I will uh, probably see you pretty soon at one of the uh, Star City Open events coming up uh, in all right. January or so. All right. Have a good day, Jared. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Upcoming events. On January 7th and 8th, we have Grand Prix Austin, which is limited. And also, that is the same weekend as the Star City Games Open Series in Atlanta, Georgia. The weekend right after that, January 14th and 15th, is GP Orlando. That's standard. Mentioned that earlier in the show. And also, the Star City Games Open Series goes to Los Angeles. So, that's what we got coming up in the next few weeks. Um, special announcement YoMTG Taps now has play mats available. Um, I will link that in the show notes. They are $20 each. And uh, I'll put, put a link in the show notes and also on IWantMyMTG.com. That's everything we have for this week. As always, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing.